0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Very well done. Anderson,
1: thank you. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Another crazy day, but one of heavy consequence. The White House fully admits to a Ukraine quid pro quo then tries to take it back and blame us for getting it wrong. Well, guess what? It's all on tape. I have it. You listen for yourself. You see who's lying. And also, which key cabinet figure in this Ukraine mess is now resigning? That means he can testify. We have a top impeachment investigator who is listening closely and is here to talk next moves as we break down where impeachment and the prosecution of this president's lawyer stand tonight. What do you say? Let's get after it. (music) Gotta say it, only in the age of Trump, the president sent his acting chief of staff to take on the media, and he had a simple message. Yeah, we held up aid to Ukraine, but we did it so they would investigate the DNC and 2016 election interference. So it was
0: a good quid pro quo. Listen. Did he also mentioned to me in the past the, 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 the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. Um, but that's it. And that's why we held up the money. But to be clear, what you
2: just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server
0: uh, happened as well. We, we do We do that all the time with foreign policy. And I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. No, no, no. It's not about political
1: influence in foreign policy. It's about the political influence used for personal gain in foreign policy. By the way, the DNC server gambit, it may be a debunked conspiracy theory, but it wasn't a bad cover story for the president because it made his action in Ukraine about something other than wanting to go after Biden. But that gotcha about the quid pro quo obviously got stuck in his head. Again, only in the age of Trump, Mick Mulvaney tried to pretend he never said what you just heard him say, quote, once again, the media has decided to misconstrue my comments to advance a biased and political witch hunt against President Trump. Let me be clear. There was absolutely no quid pro quo between Ukrainian military aid and any investigation into the 2016 election. There never was any condition on the flow of the aid related to the matter of the DNC
0: server. That's a lot of words. Let's go back to the few that answer the question. Did he also mention to me in past the past the, 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 the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. Um, but that's it, and that's why we held up the money. Absolutely. No question about it, and that's why we held up the
1: money. Listen, speak worked well for Orwell. It doesn't work in reality. This clumsy cover has Trump's fingerprints all over it. Just lie, deny, then point to the media and cry. But you heard the proof. And today we got more proof of what this president was up to from another diplomat who's loyal to Trump, but gave damning testimony about the president's intentions. Let's bring in someone who heard from Ambassador Sondland today, heard exactly what Mulvaney said. Uh, House Oversight Committee member Jamie Raskin, good to have you on the show. Uh, You and I lost a friend today, and America lost a legend. And Uh, Elijah Cummings meant a lot of things to a lot of people. And I hope that now his passing is a reminder to people about what passion of purpose is and what brave leadership is. He was gone too soon. No question about it, Jamie. Uh, But hopefully his legacy will be a lesson to all of us.
3: Well, thank you for that. I mean, it's it's hard times and they just got a little bit harder with the, the loss of our beloved Elijah Cummings. But he has been a role model to everybody in Maryland and everybody on the Oversight Committee and really everyone in Congress who listened to him because he's shown how you fight with every fiber of your being for democracy and for the Constitution without losing your humanity, without losing your decency and without giving up on anybody. And he really showed us that as extreme and as partisan as the Republicans get to keep our hearts and our minds open, that they might be able to find some common ground with us. So. Uh, It's a very sad day here in Maryland. But, uh, you know, in the Jewish faith, we say that the memory of the righteous is a blessing. And every time we remember Elijah Cummings, which is going to be frequently through every day, it will be a blessing to us. And we will hang on very tight to his extraordinary vision and his great
1: example. I can hear Elijah in my head saying, come on, Como. Uh, don't take up my time with this Mulvaney. You know what that is. You know, you know, that's BS. You know what they're trying to do. It's a cover story. Let me tell you what happened today. <laughs> he had no tolerance and no patience for things that were obvious uh, and that were distractions of a point. Uh, so let's honor his memory. You were in uh, session today. You got to hear testimony from a friendly of this president. He was uh, the hotelier, uh, uh, Ambassador Sondland. He was gifted an ambassadorship. What did he say today that was instructed to you?
3: Well, of course, we cannot relay the details of his testimony. And I know everybody loves a good mystery, Chris, but this is hardly an Agatha Christie novel at this point. We've got Mulvaney, the White House Chief of Staff, coming out and admitting to the crime. Now, I think he thought that committing another crime was an alibi for this crime, but it's just as unconstitutional to shake down a foreign government for political reasons related to the 2016 election as it is relating to the 2020 election. And so the smoking guns are just piling up at this point. It all started with the contemporaneous uh, telephone memorandum they gave us in which we basically had everything we needed at this point, And now we're just getting a surplus of evidence filling in the picture. We know exactly what they were up to. They shook down a foreign government, a vulnerable ally, in order to get political dirt or in order to support a deranged conspiracy theory. None of that is within their constitutional powers, and all of it is an assault on the national security and the Constitution of the United States. The Biden
1: part, though, is obviously a more flagrant foul. And in Mr. Sondland's uh, opening statement that was put out today, uh, he seemed to suggest that at the time I think he has a problem with this testimony, by the way, but uh, that at the time that he was uh, getting ready for that phone call and after he didn't really know. But much later, he learned about the interest in Burisma and Mr. Biden. Now, those texts uh, that Mr. Volker put out, it seems like Mr. Sondland knows very well. Uh, what the deliverable is, and that the deliverable is about Biden, Burisma, and also the DNC. and Giuliani, they believe wanted as much in the statement. Is that all accurate to you?
3: Well, uh, again, I don't want to speak to particulars, but let's just say there's two basic uh, categories of witnesses we've heard from. One are the loyal public servants who are real foreign service professionals who are outraged and appalled by this shadow foreign policy conducting political campaigns uh, and mixing up private agendas with public agendas. And then you've got the people on the other side who are either in hiding and are trying not to testify mm. or they are rapidly trying to distance themselves from the whole Trump Giuliani plot. Uh, but yeah, sure, You had a cabinet, cabinet members. You, some-
1: you had a Rick Perry. Uh, say today that he's stepping down, which now obviously makes him much more available uh, for testimony. Now, we had heard that he was going to step down last week. He denied it. Today, he confirmed it. Uh, Is that of interest to you?
3: Well, it it gives me the impression that there are a lot of people who are trying to get off of a rapidly sinking ship. Um, And if this is where we are today, where we've had dramatic shifts in public opinion, the majority of Americans favor not just an impeachment inquiry, but according to Fox News, impeachment and removal of the president. Where will we be in two weeks as the evidence really becomes an airtight case? Meantime, the president continues to act in completely lawless ways. Uh, the idea that they are going to host the G7
1: uh, he says it's the perfect place. The Trump. Mick Mulvaney said that they looked at well, all these different places and states and that literally it's like the place was built to yeah. host. I can't believe it's never been used before. Well, the people
3: who are posting online about the bedbugs and the flying cockroaches may beg to differ, but even if it were the perfect place, which of course it isn't, it would be completely and totally unconstitutional. It's a violation of the domestic emoluments clause and the foreign. But emoluments he doesn't clause. benefit. They're raking in money. Mulvaney says the president Uh, has been clear he'll never benefit. That's not what he said. He said there will be no profits there, which somehow is a distinction. They think it makes a difference, which it doesn't, because the Constitution says he cannot accept any payments at all, regardless of whether it's profits or not. And it's not up to him. He's got to come to Congress to ask our consent to take money from foreign governments. And by the way, he can't take any money from the taxpayers except for his salary, which he said he's not gonna take, that's the only thing he's allowed to take. He can't take millions of dollars from the Secret Service and from the State Department and the Defense Department and White House writing checks for his hotels and resorts. They've spent one third of their days at Trump hotels or resorts or properties around the world. They're spending federal government money on it and they're collecting money from foreign governments and all of it is totally lawless and unconstitutional. And one last point I'd like to make, Chris, because I'm the congressman Uh, for Thurmont, Maryland, where Camp David is. And Mulvaney uh, engaged in a series of slurs against Camp David today, where the G7 uh, met back in 2012 when President Obama was president. He said people thought that it was terrible and it was appalling. Nobody ever said that before. Who is he quoting when he quotes these anonymous people? Go to beautiful Thermont, Maryland, and you will find the perfect place to bring together democratic nations of the world. And we should be the leaders of the democratic nations rather than uh, fraternizing with every dictator and despot and strongman on earth. That is Donald Trump's real team. Save those people for the Doral National Resort. And when you've got real democracies, bring them up to Thurmont, Maryland, and let them stay at Camp David. It's beautiful, it's rustic, and it's charming beyond measure. And Mayor John Kinneard will give you a
1: tour of the whole city. Well, Congressman Jamie Raskin, thank you very much uh, for your remembrance of Elijah Cummings. From your perspective on where this is headed, uh, we look forward very much to the case that you can put together for the American people. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm sorry for your loss. You bet. All right. Now, let's get an FBI perspective on what matters investigatively. Right. We're always balancing this impeachment. That's political. What's going on with Rudy Giuliani? That's legal. So we have to entertain them both. What is learned from today from Mulvaney, from Sondland and from what you were just hearing from the congressman, McCabe and Baker? Next. Shortly after Mick Mulvaney's briefing, admitting a White House quid pro quo, a source told CNN the Trump legal team was, quote, stunned, unquote. Now Mulvaney's trying to deny what he said, blaming the press. Is this White House damage control incurring more damage? Andrew McCabe, Jim Baker, join us now. Thank you, fellas. Jim Baker, legal significance of the admission, assuming it stands as fact, that... Uh, It was about the DNC server. That was the quid pro quo.
2: It's further evidence of the president's violation, in my opinion, of his uh, constitutional responsibilities. Uh, and he just didn't do what he was supposed to do. Uh, he is not living up to uh, his oath of office because he is trying he is abusing his constitutional power to try to stay in office. And the I hear, you that, that he- on what-
1: I hear you that on Biden. I hear you that on Biden. That's a clear case. But why couldn't they argue on this one? This is why I actually like the argument when they when Rudy first made it a few weeks ago. I know Andrew doesn't like it, but I got to make the argument, which is Um, look, corruption is legit. You guys all say you care about 2016 interference. This was part of 2016 interference. I know a lot of people think it's a conspiracy theory. I don't. So I want them to look into it because I think they were out to get me in 2016. And I'm not going to give money to a country that does that kind of corruption. Is that a good faith argument against corruption?
2: I don't know, but I'm not buying that because... The, the 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 President, for a long time, has as has been concerned about his legitimacy, right the notion that the Russians helped him infuriates him. And so what he wants to do is to try to cast a doubt about that claim and to go into the 2020 election and say, no, I won 2016 legitimately and nobody should have any doubt that I should be reelected because my first election was, was uh, you know, perfect and great and the kinds of terms that he uses. And so I, I'm not buying that. I think it is intended to bolster his efforts to win reelection in 2020.
4: Yeah,
5: right. and, go and ahead, Andrew, Chris, please. Yeah, Chris, let's be clear. There was no conspiracy. There was no involvement of Ukraine in the meddling in the 2016 election. We know this, every intelligence agency in this country has agreed with that. The president's own people, to include Tom Bossard, his former deputy national security advisor, has been uh, uh, forcefully, publicly saying this was a, uh, a myth that they tried to punch through. The administration's uh, focus on it is nothing more than an effort to bolster the president's um, as Jim said, legitimacy, one of his conspiracy theories that he can take into the 2020 election to make himself a stronger candidate. It is absolutely no different than his attempt to investigate and dredge up dirt on the Bidens. It's
1: the same thing. What else, Andrew? would they need in Congress to make a more compelling case here than they have now? They brought in Sondland today, another friendly of Trump, right? He was a big donor to him. He got gifted the ambassadorship to the EU. They brought him in to help with Ukraine. He was inimical to the sitting ambassador there. Today, we understand his testimony played to the effect that Listen, the Biden thing. Yeah. Yeah. I learned about that. But much later. Now, I don't know that that's true. But now here's another layer of somebody who's in those texts, Andrew, saying, um, yeah, this was about Biden for the president and Giuliani. And yes, I was told I had to work with Giuliani. Well, it
5: it hurts the president on a number of levels. It further reinforces this idea that Rudy Giuliani was the architect of this entire scheme. Sondland admits that today, allegedly, in, in his testimony. Secondly, I would say it's really hard to reconcile what Sondland apparently said to the committee today about not knowing about the Bidens and not knowing there was a Biden connection to Burisma. When you look at those text messages, you have the acting ambassador to Ukraine putting it right in his face and Sondland twice reacting defensively saying, call me or stop texting or putting out what is obviously a a a, a, a kind of a a specious uh, defense about no quid pro quo. So I think that's a tough uh, line
1: for Sondland to hold. Uh, Quickly, Jim, You know, Rudy keeps saying it's okay. I was working for the president. I was just doing it pro bono. Aren't there rules about what a public official can accept as pro bono legal services? And even though I just heard a very clever argument that someone said, well, if you you could assume that Rudy Giuliani's legal advice is worth zero. But let's say it isn't worth zero and it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's well above any maximum allowance. How does that figure into it?
2: There are a number of statutes that, that Mr. Giuliani needs to worry about in terms of whether he violated them. Among them is something called the Anti-Deficiency Act, which makes it a crime. It's a federal crime for government employees to accept, uh, to accept volunteer services from a person. The, the, you cannot accept uh, and, and, and spend monies in a way that is inconsistent with what uh, Congress has articulated, and he can't accept volunteer services, and the federal uh, employees would be committing a crime. And Mr. Giuliani may have been involved in a conspiracy to violate that statute. I, I just don't know. He's also got exposure, as we talked about before, with the Foreign Agents Registration Act and also with the federal election law. So he's got a lot of exposure. And, I, you know, I don't know. It's so confusing in terms of trying to figure out exactly what he was doing, who was paying him, who was supporting him, who was his, his principal giving him direction. Was it a foreigner? Was the president—it's all a big mess—and and it must be investigated. I think by the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office and also the uh, the FBI. This this cries out for a deeper criminal investigation. All right, we got
1: to jump, yeah. fellas. Thank you very much. Uh, certainly to be continued. Appreciate it. All right, we may be getting some uh, new intelligence on the Giuliani counterintelligence investigation. Remember, you got criminal investigation, counterintelligence. We have someone who was questioned by FBI agents on the case. What does he know? And what did he tell them? And what questions does he believe need to be asked? Next. Now, remember, the FBI, okay, which falls under the Trump administration run DOJ in the form of Bill Barr, thought enough of the questions and the concerns to open two investigations into Rudy Giuliani that we know about criminal and counterintelligence. One person we know they've been talking to is. Kenneth McCallion. Now, he just so happens to be the author of a new book, Treason and Betrayal, The Rise and Fall of Individual One. Counselor, welcome to Primetime. Thank, thank you thank very you. much. For- so um, in TV, they don't like to talk about their competition. I'm not one of them. Uh, Rachel Maddow had a very interesting interview uh, with you last night, um, heavily focused on how you know the state of play in Ukraine. You were familiar uh, with the tactics and interests of the two men who were indicted as associates of Mr. Giuliani, um, Parness and Furman. Um, now, you said something interesting last night that what they used to be into changed and they all of a sudden became interested in politics. When and why did you know that?
6: Well, uh, going back to 2015, 2016, As part of an investigation I had of civil racketeering into activities uh, by the Trump organization, Uh, I looked into and came into information that Parnas and Fruman down in Sunny Isle, Florida, in the Boca Raton area, had been steering uh, wealthy uh, Ukrainians, Russian, former Soviet people to the Trump organization with the sales technique, that this was a good way to money launder by buying condominiums, holding them for a couple of years and then selling them. So uh, we conveyed that information to the FBI uh, at that time, uh, and it became part of, we believe, a money laundering, uh, uh, really, uh, investigation by the FBI including a money laundering uh, investigation.
1: And what was your role? Why
6: were you informing
1: uh, on these individuals to the FBI?
6: Well, uh, starting in 2013 and 14, uh, I represented Yulia Temeschenko and various jailed political leaders when the pro-Russian president Yanukovych was in office and unfairly and improperly uh, made criminal accusations against them and jailed them. Uh, In response, Paul Manafort, for example, was behind a lot of the activities. We started collecting information on money laundering. And that's how Uh, you
1: got the connection to them. Now, the avenue of Civil Rico I don't want to get too in the weeds for people, but the idea of what exposure Mr. Giuliani has and by extension, maybe the president. We keep talking about just these two specific interests of going after the DNC to the extent that that was a real uh, thing and going after Biden.
6: Civil Rico, you believe, is still part of the equation here. Why? Oh, uh, absolutely. The racketeering statutes are very powerful and uh, you have to really look at Giuliani, Parnas, Frumann. Uh, And the rest of the three amigos, et cetera, really as a racketeering enterprise at this point who are attempting to really extort from a country that needed our foreign aid information and a bogus investigation in return. They wanted in writing a promise before the money would be released for military aid, a promise by the Ukrainian government government that they would conduct this bogus investigation. Why is that civil RICO? Well, it's uh, certainly uh, extortion. Uh, There was money laundering involved, money from suspicious sources to Parnas, Fruman. And uh, again, there's investigation of Giuliani as well. So you have really any corrupt practices which happen over a period of time by an organization, a racketeering a group, so Iraqis Rudy
1: says, enterprise. I don't know anything about what McCallion's talking about.
6: These guys said that they could get me information
1: on Biden. They knew the players in Ukraine. It's the end of my involvement. Oh, but they paid you. It had nothing to do with anything. It had to do with something else. Oh, but the amount, 500000 echoed an amount that they had had come into their accounts from suspicious sources. I didn't know anything about where the money came from.
6: Well, uh, certainly time will tell. And there's a serious investigation by the Southern District and the FBI into both Parnas Fruman's uh, finances. You think that leads to Russia? uh, Well, there were millions of dollars going through their bank accounts. There were red lights going off in the banks. The banks informed the Treasury Department uh, of this suspicious activity. So certainly the Treasury Department uh, and the administration has known about this over the last year or two and did nothing. Now that uh, the whistleblower has come forward, uh, the investigation really by the FBI has intensified and the Southern District, and it's spread uh, to an examination, of Mr. Giuliani's finances. Where
1: we are right now, give me one key question that has to be answered.
6: Well, the question is, uh, who really was uh, behind this? It Was it Dmitry Firtash in Vienna? Were there Russian Uh, information sources and Russian oligarchs who were financing this. All of a sudden, there were millions of dollars flowing into Parnas Fruman's accounts. Uh, Mr. Giuliani uh, had literally millions coming into his account and his firm's account, supposedly for work in Ukraine. Uh, But where did this money come from? What were the sources? That is really the follow the money investigation is, what I believe the Southern District and the FBI is looking at at this point.
1: Mr. McCallion, uh, please, may I enlist your efforts in helping us understand this as we learn more information about how it fits into the legal framework that's necessary for investigators?
6: Well, absolutely. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. To be continued.
1: All right. So tonight, the president is hailing Turkey. I know this is another aspect of this situation. He's saying, yay, I got a ceasefire. fire. Turkey says it's not a ceasefire at all, what's going on in Syria. Is the president just doing what he does best, which is ignore reality in the interest of himself by declaring victory? What is actually happening in Syria? What needs to happen in Syria? One of his chief defenders takes on the case next. Good to see you, Rick. Okay. Mick Mulvaney now wants you to believe that the congressionally approved aid for Ukraine was only withheld to dig into a debunked conspiracy theory. But actually, he doesn't want you to believe that because he took it back because he happened to have let it fall into the understanding of a quid pro quo. But he did say it and we played it for you. The bigger problem is the text messages and the testimony and Trump's own words uh, add another layer, which is that Biden was a give, a deliverable, something they wanted. Rick Santorum knows a thing or two about trying to remove a president. Rick, it is good to have you back on Thank this you. show. Thank you. to be back. Um, what, what do you think happened today? You think Mick said this, he went back to the White House, the president went crazy and said, I don't care what you do, just deny it, get out of it?
4: Yeah, look, I mean, in, in defense of Mick, I think he was using, again, and I, I, and I know I'm trying, to, I'm trying to view this in the best light, for him uh, which it, for him yeah I mean I think he, he was talking about corruption and the need for for uh, for Ukraine to clean it up and I think he gave as an example uh, the the you know the the suspicion that that Ukraine was involved uh you know with the 2016 election and 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 and, and Biden and so uh, that I don't think he was saying it was a quid pro I think he was using it as these are the kinds of kind of corruption things that we were concerned about but again, he was unwise to bring it up. I think he should have just left it at we were concerned about corruption and we're not going to give, as he said, we're not going to give money to a to an organization, to a country that's going to you know, pay off people instead of doing things legitimately with it. He used a very poor example, and I think he had to backtrack on the example.
1: All right. I take your argument just for the uh, audience. Let's just play you this little piece again, just so you can understand, not you, Rick, the context for the audience of what he said.
0: Did he also mention to me in the past the the, the, the the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. Um, but that's it. And that's why we held up the money.
1: All right, look, it was clear enough that the president wanted him to change it. The bigger problem for them, though, Rick, I really don't think it's a question. We've had this conversation before. We should continue it now. Um, there is no question that this president and Rudy Giuliani, maybe Rudy Giuliani even more than the president, wanted Ukraine to commit to look into the DNC, but just as importantly, to look into Burisma, which is the company where Joe Biden's son was on the board and he wanted that levered against the aid. I don't think that we can dispute that as a matter of fact and intention. Now, it keeps getting echoed by people who worked around the president who are loyal to the president. We had the third one say it today. The only question is whether or not it's enough to impeach. Have you reached that part of the analysis yet?
4: Yeah, no. I looked at it, and, and I looked at the transcript, which is sort of the basis for all of this. And and the way I read the transcript is, you know, he asked for a favor, and the favor was to look into the to the twenty sixteen DNC hack uh, and Biden. Well, okay, and, and again, I, I've been on conversations where you have interpreters, which which they're clearly, you know, they're clearly was was here. I mean, and and you have him making a statement. Uh, where he asks for a favor, you wait for the interpreter to interpret. Then, then the president of Ukraine responds. He interpret. You get interpreted. Yeah, but Trump speaking at,
1: English as but, best but as I, he
4: understands it. Well, but but the but the understanding is that you know that, that the president of Ukraine brought up Giuliani. President didn't bring up Giuliani. The president of Ukraine brought up Giuliani, and of course. You know, we right. now
1: know why Zelensky brought it up, according to Volcker and other people we are that. loyal to the president I, and the president didn't I, have to respond. Yeah, Biden, a lot of people
4: are really into again, that. You better I look get, it. at it. Again, bad judgment. I, I don't think it's an impeachable offense. I think it was poor judgment for the president to even comment on it in this type of conversation. But I think it's pretty clear, at least it's clear to me that he, that's not the favor he was asking for. He was simply commenting, which he shouldn't have, about something that that uh, the president Ukraine brought. Then, why did all the people that we've heard from so far
1: surrounding the conversation and the follow through think it was exactly about that?
4: Well, I think that. Giuliani's presence and his role there is something obviously is being investigated by, as you mentioned earlier, by the attorney general, and and it, there's there's a concern there uh, about you know him as a private citizen and what he's doing, but again, if you're looking at what would be quote an impeachable offense, if you want to go that far. The idea that we were holding up aid in exchange for Biden or he was asking for a political favor, I just think is a, a, to me is a bridge too far. And I think it was just well, a he was asking
1: information, call. which you've admitted in the past, you're not supposed to do from a foreign government. And it seemed like he was doing at least that, if not more. But let's let the case be made. I want to ask yeah. you something else that's more yeah. clear. Um, the ceasefire in Syria is not really a ceasefire. It's 120 hours for them to get out or the killing is going to resume. The president takes it as a victory. I think that's silly, but let's push past that. He has to undo his decision, Rick. Something else has to happen here. Otherwise, we know what happens in four days and 14 hours.
4: Yeah, look, I, I've said on this program many, many times that I agree with the president almost, I mean, 90% of the time. I agree with him on all his economic policy. I agree with him on, on, on the border, I, I, on so many, and what he's done in Iran. I just think he has really stepped in it with with respect to this. This is this was a poor decision. Uh, it's having. Really, I think startling, even startling to him. Consequences. I think that's one of the reasons that he's tried to put the genie back in the bottle here. And and I, let's like we can talk substance and and how dangerous it is to to walk away from one of our closest allies and and to and, and to allow Turkey to to do what they've been doing and, and uh, Russia and, and, to do what they're and, doing. And they're Russian literally and, living and, in our base. And Assad. And I mean, there there are multiple levels of this is bad. But I'm going to talk about something. I don't know. Maybe it hasn't been talked about. This is really bad for the president come November of 2020. And and I have been hearing from so many Republicans who love Donald Trump, who are telling me for the first time they're taking a step back and they're actually thinking about whether they're going to vote for this man. And I, I've heard this from people. I'm, I'm stunned to hear it from because this was I, I just think reckless. Uh, this was this was not something that we expected from a president who I think at, at this point has been on the edge on foreign policy. He's done edgy things, but he's done he's done it to try to uh, disrupt things, to try to to try to move North Korea or, or Iran or others. And and I think it was appropriate. I mean, because we were stuck in. in I know, but in, this, is different. But this is different. Here's the troubling question, and I think it's going to affect him with his base. And when you have someone who right. is relies on his base. You can't shake it up. And he's doing that. I I hear it. The big question
1: is, why did he do it when he did it right after talking to Erdogan? That is a call we need to know about. Rick Santorum, thank you very much for making the case. Always appreciate it. All right. Now, you heard me talking earlier with Jamie Raskin, the congressman from Maryland. Big loss today. One of the most influential voices uh, in our political culture uh, and a loss for our republic as a whole. You need to understand who Elijah Cummings was, and I can show you through what I watched him do in person. Next. Elijah Cummings was too young to die. He was just 68. I'm sorry for his wife, his daughter, his loved ones. I hope they know that so many, including me, we respected your father and your husband profoundly, not just because he was in office, but because of how he used his power His passing at this time, with all the toxic influences in our politics, it allows us a chance to remind what passion of purpose is truly about, as lived by Elijah Cummings. I saw Cummings on the streets of Baltimore, the place he was born, raised and proudly represented during riots in the ugly aftermath of the Freddie Gray scandal. People were outraged. People were lost in emotion.
7: God, we ask you to bless our city, a city that we love, a city that has given us so much.
1: I don't know what that's showing you, but you hear Elijah Cummings. This is when politicians are elsewhere, not Elijah. He was on the ground. He was with the people. He lived up to his name. He somehow in that moment, and I'm telling you, I was there. People were angry. It was a riot. He somehow got people to come together around him with a bullhorn, telling them, come to me, come to me. We're going to pursue justice. We're going to demand the best of our leaders. We're not going to exhibit the worst of reactions. This is about them, not us. He led them in a prayer that captured his sense of commitment to the people and place. The struggle was real, but so was the hope of getting to a better place.
7: God, we ask you to bless our city. A city
1: that we love, a city that has given us so much. When that one young man was like saying, you need to hear me, you're either with me or you're yeah. not, you're either yeah. with me. Some people, the media, some people turned away, always grandstanding. You didn't.
7: No. You stayed locked on to that and, young man. And, and the young man, end. I had my turn. I wanted to have their turn. Simple that.
1: He was the real deal. Those were tears from the heart. He was organic, came from the community, represent that community, keep living there, never forget why you were able to rise. That's the kind of leader he was, a recognition that the son of sharecroppers, a guy who was stoned and cursed as a kid for just trying to get in a pool, he never forgot it. It gave him such profound appreciation when he was able to witness the
7: first African-American president. When he first called me back in uh, 2007, he said, Elijah, I want you to run my campaign in Maryland. I said, campaign for what? He said, (laughs) for for president. I said, president of what?
1: (laughs) That was an easy laugh for him, but it wasn't his signature look. That was that droopy face of resolve. That was Elijah Cummings, all business, up for the good fight, especially in the age of Trump.
7: I don't know where, how we get this through. We're talking about the president of the United States of America. He's going around saying these kind of things. That's ridiculous. Chris, I will go to my grave protecting this democracy. And he
1: did. God love him. Elijah did. Even when he was struggling, his health was fragile for a long time. He'd get on the phone, he'd warn me to see the bigger picture. He was one of the first to tell me, listen, you got all these crimes coming out of your mouth and all these different theories going on around you. This president is going to be held to account for abuse of office. And he was right. He reminded us that we must live every day with a profound sense of purpose.
7: When we're dancing with the angels, The question will be asked, in 2019, what do we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact?
1: It makes you wonder if he knew then he didn't have that much time. But he sure lived it. He lived exactly what he was posing as a question to everybody, and his message will not be lost. So I wish our brother Elijah that his walk into heaven be an easy one. And I wish that he rest in peace. His legacy will carry on. And his need and the need for all of us to understand that we have to check power will live on as well. Elijah Cummings, let's take a break. Bolo time. Be on the lookout. Mick Mulvaney's. Yeah, we did it. We held the money until they'd investigate the DNC. That wasn't his only moment of strong and wrong today. He also told us that the 2020 G7 Summit of World Leaders has been awarded to President Trump's Doral Golf Resort in Miami. He said it's the perfect place, as perfect as that Ukraine call. The fact that the summit will draw hundreds of diplomats and personnel to its grounds amid reports of its nosediving profits is raising plenty of conflict of interest questions. This, of course, should come as no surprise, considering there's already several emoluments lawsuits against this president. So be on the lookout for more brazen acts by this president to skirt ethical norms, like in Turkey, where Trump towers Istanbul, as he says it, stands, and recent U.S. policy moves have enabled Turkey to run over allies in Syria. But you don't have to take my word for it. Trump raised the conflict issue himself.
4: Well, I also have I have a little conflict of interest because I have a major, major building in Istanbul. And it's a tremendously successful job. It's called Trump Towers, two towers instead of one. Not the usual one. It's two. And I've gotten to know Turkey very well.
1: Told you he says it that way. The question is just how well does he know Turkey? So be on the lookout.